Welcome to Porsche Pattern with Bracken Helms, the show where we hear Bracken and his distinguished guests from the Porsche community patter on about Porsches and all things automotive. Porsche Pattern is sponsored by Circuit 64. Circuit 64 creates authentic automotive apparel made for like minded automotive enthusiasts. The links for Circuit 64 are in the show notes. Okay, let's get to it. The Professor Part 5. All right, before we get into what this episode is all about, I did want to comment that I've gotten a few people in the last couple of weeks, month or so, that have reached out to tell me that they love the podcast. And of course, my first question is like, well, how did you find it? Because I'm wondering if it's one of these people that got my flyers from like where I hand them out at Red Sport Union or like the Lit Show. But all of them said, you know, I just went looking for Porsche podcasts and I just stumbled upon it. So that was good to hear. And then my follow-up question is usually, okay, well, which episodes do you like? Because in my head, I'm assuming everybody wants the bigger names. Like I interview people that I want to interview and it's me just being stubborn, kind of looking at it like I know best, (laughs) like I'm trying to enlighten the listeners. I know that doesn't sound great, but I also I do. I look at it like, yeah, the big names are obviously important. Like the bigger the person I can get, the better. But that doesn't mean that some of these people I feel like are super important, and, that, and maybe their name's not a household name, but I feel like their stuff is. I feel like it needs to be out there. I didn't go out seeking them, but when I come across these people that I feel like are important, this is my podcast. I'm going to do what I what I enjoy doing. It's not like I'm owned by some big company that they're pulling the strings. So, but anyway, so back to what I was saying, when I've asked people what their favorite episodes are, I'm shocked that like a lot of people are saying, oh, I like the Bill Patton one. I like when you guys are just, you know, blabbering back and forth and fighting with each other. And another person said, oh, I like the professor. And so I said, oh, you know, the professor. No, I didn't before I heard this. So I'm like, okay, well, this is good. So I haven't asked this question, but now I'm wondering, do they like it because I'm more relaxed and I'm just kind of more being myself? Because it's hard to do that when you walk into a place with a guy with a big name and, you know, you don't want to waste his time with just your blabber. And I'm not trying to turn it into the Bracken show where like, oh, I want to do all the talking. Like, no, I let them tell their story and I'm just sitting there trying to be respectful of their time. Okay, let's get to the professor. In this episode, um, he talks about the 914, which is nice. Because remember, at one point, I think someone told me that 914s weren't even allowed in the PCA. I don't know if that's true. I asked Bill Patton, and he said, no, I've never heard of such a thing. And he's like Mr. PCA from back in the day. But, you know, they were kind of like scoffed at. And it's just crazy, some of the big names that are like, huge on 914s now. Like everybody wants a 914 now. This is the first time I've asked the Rensport reunion, like, do you have a special moment or story question? And I wasn't sure if he was going to go along with it, but as you can see, he just jumped right on it and it worked perfectly. I feel like it's a good question. I just didn't know if when I asked him, if they would kind of know what I was talking about or they would have something, whether it would work, but it worked this time, the first time I did it. So that was great. And when he was talking about that early 901, he's talking about being red with three gauges. 
I'm wondering if this was the same one that was in Panorama within the last couple of months. Cause I just read a Panorama where there was like a prototype 901 that like had the three gauges. I don't remember there being a sunroof, let alone that went backwards, but I do remember it being red and I do remember it being the three gauges. Maybe it was the same car. I don't know. One of the things that kind of worries me about this episode is he talks about like the old cars being an investment. It kind of scares me having these conversations because it just seems like in this day and age, like people aren't doing things just for like the joy of driving or the joy of owning stuff. Or I've always wanted to own a 911. It's more like, like even look at the new cars. People are buying the special new car models. They're buying them just to flip them. I mean, Porsche is finally getting around to like trying to solve it. They've been trying to for years. So I guess with this new, the new ST, they're going to make you lease the vehicle for a year, hoping to cut back on that. Although that might just turn into like a year from now, all of a sudden, then they blow up, then they go on, bring a trailer. But if they're doing that with like new cars where people are getting allocations and then just flipping them, just, it's just a money-making process. I mean, what about that screams car guy? What about that screams automotive enthusiasm or enthusiasts? Nothing. Then you talk about these old cars and it feels like, I think a lot of it comes from a lot of the excitement has come through like Luftecult and stuff like that. But who knows what they would really buy if it wasn't like, well, you know, I would like to have a fun car and maybe it's a good place to put my money for now. Like stuff like that is irritating to me. So, you know, when he's talking about that, I totally am on board and he's like, obviously enthusiast, but like (laughs) these conversations kind of scare me a little bit because like, God knows we don't need more people out there that are like, Oh, okay. Here's a, here's another way to place my money. And uh, anyway, I don't even know what I'm saying anyway. Okay. Let's get to it. Here's the professor part five. What do you think the perfect starter Porsche is? For the driver? Not for the mechanic. <laughs> yeah, not like someone was going to go buy one to own one. Yeah. Uh, okay, I would probably have to say the 914 off the cuff because they are relatively simple and easy to work on and not as expensive as some of their stable mates can be. They're also not too fast, so you won't poke your eye out and get in trouble with inexperience. So 914 and they're, and also they're great investments. They are on the rise. You know, yesterday's $15,000 914 is today's $25,000 914. Um, and they're smog exempt. Yeah, I'm a big fan of 914. My 914 is so very slow that it teaches me all the right things about driving. And that is conservation of momentum. Teaches me to be a better driver, then I can apply that to my other cars at higher speeds, and and I'm more experienced. Yeah, you know. What's your favorite um, Porsche tuner company? Yeah, Roof has really made a comeback, but I do like Singers. Uh, I think they're handsome cars, and um, if price weren't an issue, I would covet one. But probably my favorite Porsche tuner company is. Porsche. That's what Tony Callis said, but that uh, to be yeah. expected. Yes. Yes. I'm not surprised he said that. Yeah. Uh, he's spot on on that. Yeah. I do think that they did it right at the old factory. We can improve upon them, but we don't need to. Um, do you feel Porsche people are becoming more knowledgeable? And if so, why? 
Oof, case by case. I don't know. I think because there are a growing number of Porsche enthusiasts that in general are more knowledgeable car people out there, people who didn't know anything about Porsche 10 years ago are now armchair experts. So the number of Porsche know-it-alls is increasing. I don't know if the amount of knowledge they have is increasing. Um, so, I mean, I know I know guys who know every single nut and bolt to yeah. every 911 ever made, but they couldn't tell the difference between a 356A and a 356B by looking at them. Right. So, you know, everyone has their own little niche. Yeah. Um, have Porsches become recently kind of opposite to what they used to be in the ways that back in the day you were always worried, like with the 930 or even like, you know, any 911, it may bite you. You got to watch out. You know, it's got that rear engine. It may bite you. Whereas now, like the cars that are out there, they're supposed to make you look better than you are. Yes, that is so very true. And it's true with not just Porsches, but but other cars too. Technology um, has introduced all these nannies to us so we don't have to learn how to drive our cars as we had to in the early days. It's doing the thinking for us. I mean, I think that's probably safer for um, the masses, but for the individual, it does dial out a lot of the fun and um, pleasure that one gets from um, knowing one's car very, very well. I mean, obviously, technology in turbocharging has improved a lot, so there are no big surprises in the middle of a corner now or things like that that the 930 was famous for. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can get a Porsche Turbo with two-wheel drive anymore. I think they're all all-wheel drive, all the new ones. So Unless it's yeah. a GT2. But GT2, yeah. Drive. yeah, 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 good point, good point, thank you. Um, okay, good, that gives me some relief. So, yeah, I mean, the technology is helpful for the folks who are not interested in improving their skills, and it's dialing out the fun for those of us who are. Yeah. Um, song you want to hear while driving? Flat six behind me. <laughs> Favorite track or race? Well, bucket list track that I've not driven would be uh, Nürburgring. I'd like to drive the Mille Miglia or the Targa Florio also. Those aren't technically courses, I know. Favorite track I've driven, probably toss-up between Laguna Seca and Sears Point slash Infineon or whatever it's called now. What gets you excited? I get excited when I'm in the zone, as we spoke of earlier. When I find when I giggle out loud to myself uncontrollably because I'm in the rhythm. I'm feeling it. Everything's going great. The warm breeze is blowing through my car. I can see the shadow that my the shape of my 911 is making on the hills and street road around me as I go through the S's and twisties on a mountain road. Those are the things that excite me about driving the most. My favorite thing about cars is driving them. Okay. Um, do you have a special Ren Sport reunion story? What I mean by that is in between Ren Sport Union 4 and 5 is when I met P. 
Pete Stout. And I started telling him about this special moment that was like an out-of-body experience. And he said, I had that same one. And then he told his story. And and then I've listened to his podcast right before this last rent sport reunion. And he says, I've had one of those for every rent sport. There's been like a moment where that has happened. And I thought back and I'm like, I have too. Like everyone has had like a special moment. Even this last one, I had something that I was like, well, I didn't see that coming. And that kind of like was super special. Yeah, it's hard to to surprise us um, after all these years in the hobby, but yet it still happens. Um, for this last Ren Sport a few months ago, for me it was uh, meeting and talking to the owner of a nine hundred one, and okay. um, and it was the red one in the paddock. I don't know if you got to see that. It was just a one off. Porsche that I'd never seen. I didn't know it existed. It had a three gauge dashboard and it had a sunroof placed in the middle of the roof that actually rolled forward rather than backward. And the owner was just so gracious. He must have spent 35 minutes just with my friend and me taking us through his car and showing us all the little special one off elements that his car had and the story of him acquiring it and bringing it to what it is today. Um, Those types of stories are always so inspiring. And one of my favorite things about the hobby. Okay. Thoughts on new Porsches. Like even if you take it into inflation, inflation cars used to be cheaper back then. So you had like the average quirky professor that owned one you didn't have to be like super rich. I understand now you have like, you can pay payments so anybody can buy any car because they just have a high interest rate or they pay $900 a month. But what are your thoughts on the cars becoming more expensive? Where, it, yeah, it used to be like kind of like Porsches were quirky cars. So you had like a professor that had one. It wasn't someone that was like super rich. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. I, I love the new cars. Next to the old cars, they're my favorite things in the world. You know, and I think Porsche is still a great company. It's one of the best cars that you can buy new with respect to quality. I don't know that I deeply covet a brand new Porsche, um, although there are some models that, that I do really like. But, um, you know, one of the things, one of the um, things I like about vintage cars is that I can justify buying them because um, I say to myself, well, this is an investment. This car is going up in value. So while I may be spending too much money for this car now, ultimately it will look like I spent too little. Right. right? As I I like to say, you can never pay too much. You can only buy too soon. So... (laughs) Um, this has been my motto through my car ownership. And so one of my issues with new cars, besides the glaring um, fact that I can't afford them, is that um, they depreciate. And, you know, most of the models do anyway. Yeah. So um, it's, it would be hard for me to justify buying a new car, even if I could afford one, because I'm so locked into this idea of I want something that's worth m- more than I paid for it after I use and abuse it for a few years. <laughs> yeah. So when I think about this question I just asked you, 
um, I look at it as I look at it the devil on both shoulders. So one, I look at it like what I just said. Well, they're more expensive now, so we're losing some of the quirky people, and you have to be rich to get it, and that kind of. You know, I'm not into the whole idea of like only rich people get fun things. But then there's the other side of it where you have to work to attain something that you love. Otherwise, I mean, you're going to get a brand new 911 that some, if anybody can buy one, then they're just going to be like a Ford probe that got beat up by some teenager or some young punk guy for way too long that didn't really care about cars and wasn't very sophisticated to take care of the car. And they're not going to be on the road because just if anybody can buy them, then you're going to have idiots buying them too. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's that's bore itself out with models like the 928 that got so cheap that anybody could buy one, but nobody could afford to own one. And now they're all uh, deferred maintenance beasts. Yeah. So, yeah, that's definitely an issue to be sure. And I don't really even know how to ask it. I was like, you kind of want the Porsche to be raw and analog, but at the same time, like Porsches are supposed to be kind of like sophisticated machines. So it's trying to find that, that line between a raw analog car. That's a driver's car, but you don't want it to be too raw or you just have like a Hellcat. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's true. So, um, what's the question? What's that car? What is the car that balances? Those two things? Yeah, or I guess just like not even an exact car, but like how far like like let's say you're Porsche. You all of a sudden are CEO. Like how far one way do you go and how far another way? And these are things that are gotta be on your mind to like you wanna sell it to a to these people. But you, again, that kind of relates to the other question. You don't want to sell it to idiots that just treat it like it's a drag racer. Yeah. I think Porsche's done a pretty good job of addressing that. I mean, obviously. Um, the four door cars are their bread and butter, but they haven't forgotten the uh, sports purists either. You know, the, the Carrera T, uh, basically stripper model, manual only, n- no sunroof. Those, are, those cars are cool. Right. So Porsche hasn't left us um, behind chasing SUVs. I tip my hat to that company for. Trying to find the balance there between a sports purist and a and a family SUV. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, comment, like, and share with your friends. Feel free to send questions or suggestions to the email in the description of the show. Special thanks to our sponsor, Circuit 64. Goodbye for now. We hope we can get together again for our next episode. Now get out there and enjoy the cars and the people.